Welcome back to Brunch Talks with Mandy Rose. I hope you got your mimosas ready for some good conversation. Join us this week as we talk about some social issues, highlight women, and what's brunch without some cheese wine. Pop those bottles and enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Brunch Talks with Mandy Rose. On this episode, I have two guests with us. I have Myra and Lakeisha uh, from SNL Foster Family Agency. They are actually in the process of starting up SNL Foster Family Agency. So they came on to talk to us about their story, what inspired them, all of the ups and downs of, you know, starting a nonprofit that comes with it and everything. Um, But before we get into all of that, uh, if you guys want to go ahead and introduce yourself, uh, Myra, I guess we can start with you. Sure. Um, Hi, everybody. Thank you for listening to us today. Um, My name is Myra Hernandez. I have a master's of counseling of of science and counseling psychology, uh, and I have a minor in professional clinical counseling. I'm uh, still in the process of getting my dual licensure, so I will be testing this month. Um, So very exciting for that. I still have a a ways to go, but um, I've been in social work for about three to four years now. Um, I do have a background in ABA which is applied behavioral um, um, analysis. analysis. Thank you. (laughs) And um, I did that for, uh, I would say about four to five years, Um, started off just as a behavior interventionist and worked my way up to training and supervising as well. So creating programs for children with any type of disability, um, autism, and all the other types of disabilities, intellectual disability. Mm -hmm. Um, So just been really involved with psychology, mental health, um, and various populations since um, out of college. Nice. That's amazing. Okay, so Lakeisha, a little bit about yourself. I am Lakeisha, and I have a master's degree in psychology. Um, Been in social work for a couple years, and I as well have a background in behavioral health. worked with children with autism and um, cerebral palsy, different, various backgrounds for, I want to say since 2013. Um, and then just really found the passion to help those kids that um, did not feel like they had a voice mm. um, being that person to advocate for them. That's awesome. So how did you two meet? Have you guys always been friends? You meet in college <laughs> or? So we actually met, um, in a former agency that we worked at um, over time, just found like, hey, we have similar interests, um, definitely ethical <laughs> values. We shared uh, very similar values and, um, you know, just decided like, hey, you know, we both have the same goals. Um, why not collaborate instead of us trying to work separately? And I always joke and say that she used to be my boss, but she really was my boss. <laughs> she was my supervisor. And um, we we just, we worked really, really well. Yeah. And we had a very similar passion for mm-hmm. the youth. Mm-hmm. So many times if I was dealing with something in one of the homes with one of you know the kids I was working with, she was very, very involved. And I feel like I learned a lot from her um, when it came to supervising, but together we had the ability, we were just such a power team um, with fighting for resources, with advocating for our youth that at some point we're like, we're really good at this. Why are we not doing doing it alone? (laughs) (laughs) We're already doing this together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So was when you guys first came together, was it like an immediate, like, 
this is what we have to start like a foster family agency or how did that whole like I guess I don't want to say story but how how did SNL come about exactly yeah so it wasn't immediate um Mm -hmm. I I I do believe we both saw our strengths and we already knew we made a really good team. I mean, she was my go-to main social worker, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so already we, we had that professional bond, um, but it wasn't until we were hit with a couple of challenges that we did not agree with, um, mm-hmm. ethical challenges. And we just started finding each other's true passions in this field. And that's when we decided, hey, let's let's collaborate. We we know that we believe in this. We see that this can happen <laughs> and mm-hmm. it can change the lives of these teens and, and youth in foster care. And that's when we decided to collaborate. Yeah. And I think really for, for me, the push uh, was more mm-hmm. an emotional side yeah. of it. Um, so we lost family members due to COVID. Yeah. Oh, I did due to COVID. Um, mm-hmm. Her was more cancer. like cancer. Yeah. Um, but January of this year, my sweet and beautiful mother-in-law, mm-hmm. she went to be with the Lord. Um, she um, It was due to COVID. Mm-hmm. And so S stands for Sandra. Mm-hmm. And then a few days later, Lakeisha lost yeah. a family lost member. Lost my um, grandfather. That was pretty much like my dad mm-hmm. uh, to cancer. And so we started connecting on a personal level. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, through both of these situations, we found like these family members were like our drive, mm-hmm. right? They had such a, a positive impact on us. And so I know for me and Myra can also (laughs) relate to this. uh, My grandfather was like my, one of my biggest cheerleaders. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, even I have, you know, we adopted as a family. And uh, even when I adopted my girls, he was in the background, just cheering us on, just so proud. And so I always had the mentality, like, I want to make him proud. Mm -hmm. And, um, this has been something I've always, I've, I've worked on trying to start my own um, agency, but things just almost didn't seem right. I could never finish it. And then when I lost my grandfather, it just came to a stop. And then once we started finding our similar passions, then that's when we just kind of felt like, okay, no, we're doing this for them. Mm -hmm. And when we sat down to think of a name, and I remember it was one night, Myra was like, hey, what about, you know, naming it after them? And it was like, no hesitation there. Like, yeah. yes, this is it. This is it. This is why we're doing this. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I was, um, I was a daughter to my mother-in-law. She only had two boys, my yeah. husband and my brother-in-law. And so um, my husband and I have been together for 12 years, married for eight of those. And she just adopted me as a daughter. And so for me, just thinking of any time we put a family together through adoption and documents get signed, her name is on every single every, document. And what a way to, awesome. to do something like this. That's amazing. I mean, it, it's it's sad. Obviously, you guys went through loss, but it's also amazing what you guys are doing for those family members, honoring them. I love it. Um, I got a little bit of chills when you guys are talking. I was like, oh, it's <laughs> a beautiful story. Um, how was 
because I know you, you talked like there's a lot of emotion involved in you know fostering in general but you guys are both social workers at one point what was that a very emotional job because I got I do have my degree in sociology and like my minor in behavioral science so it was a time in my life I was like maybe that's where I want to go down the road but I remember hearing from a lot of people like some loved it some hate it but I've always heard it's a very emotional job um and then there's some things that are just out of your control because of certain rules and laws that are whatever state you live in and everything did you guys ever like you don't have to go into specific any like actual incidences but did you guys ever hit any of those where it was just like this job is so emotional today oh my gosh (laughs) if there is anyone that gets overly involved it's (laughs) (laughs) and I can I can honestly tell you that if we could have like this huge complex with multiple rooms they would be filled with children because you you fall in love I think if there's any humanity in you, you are going to fall in love with every single story, um, knowing the backgrounds, knowing the histories. Um, But I think it takes, I I mean, I'm I'm a person who who believes in God, and I feel that there was a purpose that he made my life this way. And now that I see kind of my childhood and my sufferings, and, you know, I was abandoned at at the age of 11, and I helped my father raise my younger siblings, um, you know, biological mother decided she preferred drugs and somebody else and left us and we've Mm -hmm. never heard from her again. Mm -hmm. And so I now that I see that in what I'm doing. I'm like, thank you for putting me through that because I understand a little bit of the circumstances that these kids go through. And it's, it's given me this thicker skin. And, um, I, I have this desire to help these kids and to say, what are they not getting that they can and what do we need to do to get it? So yes, it's emotional, but I think it's a drive to, do whatever I can for them. Mm-hmm. And we keep like driving that in. It's for them. It's not for me. It's not yeah. for the foster parents. It's for them. They're going to be adults one day. And mm-hmm. what type of adult are we going to help get to, to there if we don't provide the assistance that they need? Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you that I've had, I would say maybe a handful of cases where I have to walk out and catch myself when particularly physical abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, you see kids that are so small and, you know, I, I will never forget, I guess, um, one of the situations we've got, we got a sibling set in one of the earlier, um, agencies that I worked with. And when we did their little body checks and we took their shirts off and to see their backs with, um, bruise after bruise after scar. And I'm sitting there thinking these babies, I mean, who could have done this to them? Mm-hmm. And I, I had to collect myself for them. Yeah. I stepped away. I let it out. And I said, okay, now what do they need? Mm-hmm. So is it emotional? I mean, gosh, Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I do agree with Myra. Um, I also view it as, you know, looking over my past and it's more mm-hmm. of a learning experience. Like, okay. God, you took me through all of this stuff in my life. So I can now be an example. And I just think of too, like, you know, I grew up in a, a pretty healthy, um, single family, like single mom, um, home where my grandparents were very hands-on and stuff. And, um, 
dad not around, but through this path, I'm like, okay, I'm also now in a situation where these kids, they don't have a bio mom or dad in their Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And what did I need during this time? Mm -hmm. So now I need to figure out how can I implement, implement what I needed at that time to get me to where I am now Mm -hmm. to know, like, um, you know, you're an advocate, like, gosh, if I would have known certain things about even various careers at a young age, like, do you know how much money I would have saved in college? (laughs) You know, I'm just knowing different avenues, knowing that these options out there for me. And now it's like, I have connections and my life experience, I can help these kids. So, um, I, I think when, even when we hear resource parents say, I can never be a resource parent. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I have what it takes mm-hmm. and people think because of their messy past, they can't be this perfect resource parent. And to me, those are the ones we want Yeah, because you have something to teach these kids, mm-hmm. you know, um, something to bring to the table to say, yes, you might've had this past. However, it can be made perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, absolutely. It is challenging. It is, um, not perfect. Mm-hmm. It is very, um, mentally draining at times, but when you look at it, it's like, wow, we do this for a living. This is who we are. And this is who we helped. So, so I do have a question. Cause you said it a few times. What is the definition of a resource parent? Yeah. I've actually never heard that term before. And I'm sure there's probably some listeners who don't know what it is either. Yeah. So a resource parent, it's pretty much a new um, term term for a foster. Parent. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they basically just did away with the word foster for. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I did. I didn't know. That's how I was like. Oh, maybe they're just providing. Like I thought maybe they're like. What are they kind of? I don't want to say angel investors, but people providing like behind the scenes, like money for families or something. So yeah. like, That's a resource I parent. Think about it. That's what we want. From our agency, this family that is now taking this minor in, housing them, this family should be a resource to this child. Um, We want this child to come out better than when they stepped into that home. Yeah. And just to give you a little bit of a background on the terms, uh, because I know there probably are questions about that. The the foster parents used to be called certified parents before, um, and the regulations were different. So county had like really high regulations for um, anyone who was going to come in and foster. um, But the regulations for, let's say, like an aunt who was going to take in this child who's in foster care was really low. And so what they did is they leveled the playing field. So if you are uh, a biological family member who's going to now take over for these children, or if you are a resource parent, which is a foster parent, the regulations are now standard. So you have to go through similar training. Your home has to have similar regulations. Um, And so they just changed the term from certified to now resource. So now you're a resource parent. Got it. Okay. Um, and I always wondered about that too. Like when family members step in, I'm like, is it automatic? Like, do they just, you know, like say if something happened to, I don't know, a little cousin or a nephew or something, would the court just automatically be like, oh, you're the aunt or you're the cousin? Or is there like a whole process for that too? 
Yeah, there's a process now. Um, I think before, which is why the regulations were so different, there was a lot of mishaps um, that was that were happening with children being placed with family. So now there there's a process. Now they have to go in and do home inspections to make sure that there is a place for this child to live in. Um, they do background checks on the family as well, um, on any um like often visitor to make sure that they're people who are going to be safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, I, I would say that probably the only major difference is if your family, you get to do the training as the child is living in your home oh, versus okay. the foster parent where you they need have to have to. all of your training completed. Everything needs to be done prior to uh, someone placing a child in your home. Got it. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I was, I was always kind of curious about that. Cause you know, you see like movies or tv shows and obviously not all of that's 100% real so I'm like do they just give them to the family member like what if that family member is not a good person like are in it for the wrong reasons or anything um so I know that there I don't want to call them myths or maybe like taboo sometimes that society has associated with fostering um I was going to ask you a few of them and just your opinions on them overall but do you find for one this one I've read so many books with like you know people who grew up in the foster system and stuff talking about you know those actual families that take them in for literally money and don't take care of the kids I don't know there could be abuse or whatever is that really like out there have you guys seen that and how like how do they cheat like I'm really curious like how do you cheat the system like that Yes, unfortunately, <laughs> I think, um, I, and I, I want to be careful with what I say, yeah. um, but I, I do want to say this, that in any job that you do, mm-hmm. uh, there's going to be people who do it unethically. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I would say that in foster care, unfortunately, there are people who don't have a job and think it's okay to receive children into their home for income. Mm-hmm. And um, it is absolutely not okay. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that Lakeisha and I both um, had a similar vision is that we wanna vet um, our resource parents that are gonna be coming in. Mm-hmm. And our resource parents need to have some form of income. You need to be able to sustain your family and your household. Yeah. And any income that comes in from caring for children, it's additional for you to utilize on them. Yeah. So um, we we want to make sure that our kids have the best possible opportunity to be successful in any home that they're placed in. And um, I think which is where the role as you know founders and executive directors of this agency give us so much more ability yeah. to correct homes that are not doing it appropriately and yeah. have the permission to close a home yes. that is just not the appropriate home for placement. Yeah. So does that happen? Unfortunately, yes. And we are very vocal about it. That's where ministering over fostering was birthed is that we want people to know what really happens in foster care. We want to break the stigma and we want to say, we know it's happening and it's not okay. Yeah. Here are some experience of foster youth or foster, you know, yeah. former foster youth who can say, they've lived an experience and you this know, is what I needed during yeah. this time uh, just to make us more aware and resource parents coming in more aware mm-hmm. that these children placed in your home need more than just a roof a under roof their head, a bed, a bed mm-hmm. and food, yeah. right? Yeah. Just say we're doing an amazing job and we're doing everything that we 
you know, these kids need for them if that's all that we're providing. Mm -hmm. And ministering over fostering, when you think about ministry, you think about serving. Mm -hmm. And that's that's where we want to um, give to potential foster parents that are coming in. You're going to come in and minister. And again, Lakeisha and I um, come from a faith-based background, um, and we believe that it's, this work is biblical. You know, the, the Bible talks so much about caring for orphans or those who are motherless or fatherless, mm-hmm. and it is a ministry. You have to come in with yeah. an open heart to mm-hmm. say, I want to serve and how can I serve? Or Mm -hmm. I have so much ability. The Lord has blessed me with a good home and finances that I want to be a blessing to someone else Mm -hmm. rather than they're going to come in and bless me. Yeah. And this is where it can get a little tricky. Yeah. Yeah. And if we think about it, I mean, ultimately it's taking this village to raise this child. Mm -hmm. That's going to strengthen our society, you know? So yeah. Okay, good. I was just wondering. I, I was like, I'm curious just on it because I know it's a lot of it's. It kind. I feel like it is a taboo thing. Like the yeah. moment you, there's a lot of people who aren't even you know open to fostering or adoption. So the moment you bring it up with some people, like they immediately go to all these negatives when they overlook. Okay, yes, there's negative in almost everything. Every group of people, every somewhere, somebody is taking advantage of something. But what about all the good that? does come out of it from everybody who's in it for the right reasons um and then how about this is one thing that's been told to me because I've always been very vocal like if I get older and you know um I would always be open to the possibility of adoption and I've always said I would want an older kid and then I get this a lot from people well you don't know what that kid's gonna come with and I'm like so just because that kid's been through more doesn't mean that kid's not deserving of a family either is is that like a common thing I guess like a mentality that you guys have ran into too it's actually very common common. and before I got into social work um my husband and I we we um were blessed with four boys and then it still was very strong in my mind like I want to adopt Mm -hmm. we are going to adopt Mm-hmm. And we did adopt two younger girls and going through that process, of course, a lot of the ages that we do get when, as a social worker, we get inquiries on zero to three, okay. <laughs> I want children zero to three. And my husband and I, we at least said you know, zero to like seven ish around that. And, you know, still younger Um, but then when I got into social work, I started realizing like, wow, goodness, if I would have known certain things, like, you know, if I, if there was a way that I could still adopt my girls, but still be open to adopting like an older youth, Mm -hmm. I probably would have done it because you start realizing like these kids, not all of them are typically bad. What everybody like, (laughs) yes puts that stamp on them as, um, we got to think like a lot of them have been in multiple homes. Mm -hmm. Like I want to say an average is about three homes that these kids are going through and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, going through the heartbreak of now bio parents are calling me They're you know, I'm, I'm seeing them for monitored visits or unmonitored visits. And then the visits stop or the calls stop. 
and they're trying to process all this. So they have rejection from potential bio family, mm-hmm. then they have rejection from certain, you know, resource parents that this have their own um, qualifications of what this perfect child should be yeah. their home. And, you know, they're thinking, wow, why doesn't anybody want me? And then on top of that, you know, their, their case, social workers, they change. So even if somebody was invested in them, now suddenly their caseworkers changing. So they have all these disappointments, you know, people coming in and out of their lives. And so a lot of times they don't want to show you who they really are. They don't want to show you like they, they want to put up a little bit of a challenge at the beginning to yeah. make you're going to stick around. So knowing that, um, I think it is good just to kind of hear these real life stories, like Myra said, through ministering over fostering of people who have actually been in the foster care system to say, this is what I needed. This is what I experienced (laughs) as a child. And, you know, I could have benefited from somebody that stuck around more, um, just to know, like, wow, these children actually need, you know, more nurturing um, situations to help them through these. So to anybody who might be on the fence of adopting or fostering an older youth, I say, go for it. Like just my experience, um, I met some sweethearts and it was just a situation where they just wanted someone to stick around and invest in them and to hear about truly sit with them and hear like, this is how my day went, mm-hmm. and what I encountered versus just coming in and going to your room. Yeah. Just small things or even yeah. like, let's watch this TV show together. Like it might be pointless reality <laughs> TV, but they just want the quality time. And know, like, Hey, I've had an interest in, um, drawing or getting mm-hmm. into some type of activity like skateboarding or dance and stuff into knowing, to know that somebody's like, Hey, let's get you in a dance class. You know, that to them is like the biggest thing Mm -hmm. to know, like, oh, these people are really invested in me. Yeah. Yeah. And I I would add to that, um, to, you know, what Lakeisha has shared is that when you think about um, your own biological children and they're going through the teenage years, everybody says, oh, it's little jerks too. Yeah. Like, (laughs) Yeah, oh, they're going through their rebellious stage. Hormones. Right. But then you get a teen who's in foster care and oh, they're yeah. so bad. And it's like, no, it, it's they're it's going same. through similar things. Yeah. The difference is you have added trauma to their life, yes. right? You have added disappointments, you have added abandonment issues, mm-hmm. rejection, or even I was taught love in a very mm-hmm. different way. Yeah. I was taught that in order to be loved, I have to be hurt. In order to be loved, I have to be yelled at. In order to be loved, whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So maybe I don't know love. Mm -hmm. And the love you're trying to provide to me, I've I don't know I it. Can't give it back. I can't give it back. I have yeah. to learn to give it back. And so, you know, I think of myself as a, as a teen and after what I went through in my own personal life, I built up walls. I didn't trust women, um, mm-hmm. you know, women who wanted to be mentors for me, the, the woman in my life who was supposed to love me left. Yeah. So I built up these big walls and it took 
someone like my mother-in-law to come in and be consistent and show love for me to start bringing those walls down mm -hmm. healing happened and then I started opening myself to other women in my life yeah. for mentoring so I would challenge that to say mm -hmm. you know don't be afraid of the walls there's mm -hmm. a person behind that yeah and those walls are there to protect them from whatever hasn't protected them in the past. Mm -hmm. But man, these kids, they're, 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 we've met so many <laughs> youth that are just yeah. incredible. And when they're put with the right family in the right place and you see the changes and you see um, their full potential. My goodness. And yes. sometimes just to piggyback on what Myra's saying, I mean, sometimes they don't even know their full potential. Yeah. They yeah. might think that this is okay to be in certain yeah. homes where they are not provided with what they should be receiving. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then, you know, when they are placed in a home where they are thriving, it's like, wow, I why didn't I, why didn't I act on this sooner? Oh, why didn't I know? Like, why didn't I know this is like existed? This is out yeah. here. This is like yeah. real, like, or like you said, like, this is real love. Like, yeah, never sure. had it before. Yeah. So what happens when the kids turn 18? Cause legally now they're adults. So what, so if there's a kid that's been in the system on whatever their whole life after life up to 18, when those kids turn 18, are they just on their own? I know it's probably different places but what in general I guess happens around with most foster agencies I mean most foster kids at 18 have a decision they are now adults so mm -hmm. they have a decision whether they want to continue in foster care whether they want yeah. to go dorm or things like that now um foster care goes up to 21 oh so okay legally they can stay in a foster home up to 21 mm -hmm. and after that there's now something called extended foster care um, which is another uh, phase for our business that we're going to yeah. be looking to in the future um, where we can um, provide extended foster care services and help them transition into adulthood mm -hmm. um, you know get a job and and all of those things we're already going to be providing that for our yeah. youth through our agency lots of mentorship opportunities um we want to partner with various businesses to have internships where mm -hmm. there is a certain career that they're interested in they can intern there and see if they actually do like it yeah before stepping out into the real world and um all of those things but um typically it it, it i think it has a lot to do with where they're at yeah. um if they're in a home where they're being loved and cared for, they're more likely going to want to stay there. Yeah. Versus whether they're in a home who has just been a host home for them yeah. has provided some type of a, a roof over their head. And at 18, they're probably ready to go. They're done with foster care and they don't want to be there anymore, yeah. which is why I think the type of homes that we have is so important to give them that extra cushion as they're preparing into adulthood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like Myra said too, I mean, it really boils down to at that time, once they're 18, cause I know I personally have been connected with some minors that 18, you know, that should be like a fun time. Like, wow, I'm turning 18. This yeah. is a milestone. But for some of the minors that I've connected with 18 is like doomsday. It's scary. It's scary. Yeah. And even though they're able to stay in that home until 21, even some resource homes are not willing 
to keep mm-hmm. them in their home until they officially age out. So, um, you know, it, it really just boils down to making sure that these homes that we are providing for the minors in our care, these are homes that are really wanting to invest mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So once they age out, they are stable <laughs> and able to take care of themselves. Got it. So is there a time frame associated with being a resource home or family? Like, is there like you a minimum or a maximum amount of time? Or it's literally just that family's choice of how long they want to keep the kid? Yeah, it's their choice. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's definitely their choice. Um, You know, resource homes can say, I'm going to foster. And then some resource homes foster and then they fall in love with the kids that they get and they (laughs) adopt. And so they close their homes and now we're on the hunt for a new one. Um, other, other resource homes there, you know, unfortunately in this type of a work, there is burnout. Um, yeah. burnout is real for social workers, for resource parents. Um, if we, if you don't have the adequate support, mm-hmm. um, and that's why as an agency, we're preparing in far in advance. Um, we have various things that we're setting ourselves prepared for to mm-hmm. provide them adequate support and avoid that burnout. Um, I, put a post the other day on respite homes and the need we have for respite homes. Um, respite homes are people who say, look, I don't have the ability to commit for long-term placements, but I'm willing to go through the training and have my homes with inspections and everything. And if there's a family who wants to have a weekend off, I can take their kids for the weekend. Mm-hmm. And then they go back to their resource family. Or if there's a family that says, hey, Myra, you know what? I want to go to Mexico and I can't take the kids with me. We're going to be there for a week. I can call a respite home to care for them for a week. And then the kids know they're going back home when the family. So there's so many opportunities. And I think, unfortunately, to this day, a lot of agencies have not adopted some of that support for, you know, there's lack of resources or lack of personnel, lack lack of people willing Um, we need resource homes in order to have adequate support. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that we can do to help yeah. with that. Yeah. Nice. And, and just the amount of um, the, I feel like we got a really high response rate from mm-hmm. that because I remember somebody who saw our post, they were like, I had no clue. You yeah. can even do that. I, I had no clue either. <laughs> I was like, Oh, it's, it's like a, I don't want to say like a daycare, but it's like a, you know, for however, a couple days a week, like, yeah. Um, you know, those people get to, maybe they'll form a connection with the kid too. You never know, but yeah, I I never heard of it either. That time, like, you know, how many people may not necessarily want to just jump right in Mm -hmm. to, you know, foster care, but they're kind of thinking about it. This is a perfect opportunity to do so. And then, or just somebody that's like, Hey, you know, I have such a busy life, but I do want to give back Mm -hmm. perfect for them. Mm -hmm. So that is so let's talk a little bit about because I know we talked a little offline about like it's you guys are having more than just like the agency because you want to do programs with it and stuff so what programs are you hoping to bring to your oh, agency you're, you're, <laughs> you're hitting a really soft spot in our heart um but um one of the things that we um that, that I think is going to set us a little bit apart from um the services that we want to provide um one of the very first things is um we want to have a closet for our youth and we're thinking about major milestones in their life that some of them miss or don't have the capacity to do so dances homecoming proms um we want to 
to have a place where they can come and choose their prom outfit. Um, we want to have those types of things available to them. So it's not an expense on the foster parents yeah. and they don't have to save up their, you know, allowance or things like that. That's just something yeah. that the agency is going to provide to them. Um, we're going to have an educational center and in-home support. So an in-home support is someone who would be available to go into the homes, to be there with the resource parents, kind of like a mentor with their youth, help them if they need tutoring. This educational center at our agency is going to be available for them yeah. to work on projects. Um, you know, all of those things that they might need, that they can come into the office and have a place to do that yeah. um, with in the availability of in-home support. Um, so those are some of like the, the smaller things. Of course, we're partnering um, we're going to be partnering with um, a, a facility called uh, Rad Coaching, okay. uh, Rise Above uh, Coaching, and they provide um, free sessions for about eight weeks of therapy. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a transitional service for our yeah. kids. So our kids that are 12 years and up would automatically have the capacity to sit through eight free sessions yeah. while they're getting services. Because mm-hmm. one thing that we found is sometimes county with transfers and getting the kids, you know, their mental health, sometimes they're waiting three, six months Mm -hmm. to get services started. And we don't want that wait. We want to have a service available right on the spot. Um, I'll let you talk about our two special ones, but then the other one that we're talking about is mentorship nights. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have a long list of people who we um, love and look up to and are people who have various types of careers or characteristics that we would love to expose our youth to. Mm -hmm. And we want to have once a month mentorship nights where someone comes in and talks about their career, what they're doing with their life, how they got there, what are the steps. Um, We are partnering with my sister-in-law. She does the Scarlet Shop and she did our awesome shirts and she's done some of these other things. She's going to come and do a craft night with us. And some of our youth that are interested in that, she'll bring some of her resources, have them do some crafting that night Mm -hmm. and gives the foster parents a little bit of time away. Maybe they can do their own like group setting during that time where they can talk about some of the battles and difficulties they're going with Mm -hmm. because we both have a mental health background. We can Mm -hmm. do something like that. Um, Or they can, choose to take the hour off, go out to dinner, and Mm -hmm. we have the kids during mentorship night. So that's that, but we have two special things that we're going to work on. to piggyback on that too, like just to be able to, like Myra said, you know, connecting them with mentorships. Mm -hmm. Um, um, Yeah, just internships. And then I know we also partner with like Sweet Dough Cafe, Mm -hmm. and, you know, he will teach him about being an entrepreneur and if they are interested in baking, we have somebody mm-hmm. that does hair, Shantae, um, who is willing to sit with them and teach them about uh-huh. being a cosmetologist. Um, also, um, just to know that we can sit with them too. And before they technically age out, our kids and our care will know how to properly fill out a job application, mm-hmm. um, you know, know how to go on an interview and master that interview. Um, know how to write a resume. We'll provide them with the tire if they need it to go on <laughs> that interview. Mm-hmm. So just different things like that. Um, two other projects that we're excited about is, um, so one of them is Celebrate Me. And mm-hmm. that's where we will help with different like birthday parties, quinceañeras, um, graduations, just um, being able to put on special occasions for them. And the last one is the My Bedding Project because we notice that 
you know, a lot of the kids coming in, they may not have like a comforter set and, you know, mm. some of the stuff that's, that they receive is what was at that resource home mm -hmm. and they can't take it with them. Or they may collect like small blankets throughout the different homes. That mm -hmm. they so we want to provide them with a comforter set of their choice. Like it would be a pillow blanket um, sheet set. And along with that, just having that ability to decorate their room. Um, so we will provide like matching posters with their bedding set. So if we have a little one that's like, oh my goodness, I love Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. And we get that Ninja Turtle bedding set along with the Ninja Turtle um, poster and with command strips. So it's not, you know, damaging yeah. any of the resource parents' walls, but it's giving them that independence and um, that creativity to know like, this is my room. This is what I love. And no matter if I age out or move from this home, it's coming with me. So we're really excited about our projects that we're working on right now. That sounds great. I mean, I love all of them. Um, <laughs> we have to connect. A, you said a few things that I've already like, there's one in there that I've been trying to kind of start. So I'm like, oh, we're, we're connecting offline after about some of this <laughs> stuff. Um, but no, I love it because it's, because you're right in the sense, like when you, so you spoke on it earlier, like these kids need more than just a bed to sleep on and yeah. a roof over their head. Like they need nurturing. They need to live like a normal, I don't want to say normal. I hate when I use the word normal, but to live, a, I guess the average social life of a teenager, you know, to go to these ex dances and just have friends and somebody yeah. talk to you about your day. So I love that you're like touching all aspects of their life to make them, you know, a citizen as an adult that can live and maintain like a average healthy life for themselves. So I do love it. Now, big dream of, sorry to cut you off, but no, a big dream of ours is a one day, we just want to have this big bus where we can pick up all of our kids and drive them to the beach. Um, it's ridiculous how many kids we have gotten oh, who have never gone to a beach have I mean, or Disneyland or Disney or, or have never gone to a movie theater. And the first time you take them to a movie theater, it's like, uh, what is this? And so Lakeisha and I, I mean, we want to learn either to be a bus driver or someone who knows how to do that. <laughs> Anybody listening, if you're a bus, driver, a bus driver, please connect with them. But just a dream of ours would be to just on a Saturday, pick up our kids and say, we're taking them here today. And like you said, it's, it's those experiences that I think some of us take so much for granted that we don't realize how important they are yes. just in daily milestones, just in daily living or to like, even, you know, this was a shock to me, um, to have minors that have never been in a restaurant, Yeah, like a yeah. cheesecake factory. They're like, <laughs> what is this? It's like, Oh my God, it's so fancy. Like, yeah. Yes. Like, you're like thinking, cheesecake mm -hmm. factor yeah right that's crazy uh, so just to give them those to not only for us to give them those experiences mm -hmm. but for their resource homes yeah. to say yes we are providing these children mm -hmm. experiences as well that's I I keep like the more and more like I've been talking to people and doing because earlier this year I did a podcast with um a nonprofit down in San Diego and there are a home for sexually trafficked and abused like girls um but they she said the same thing kind of in the sense of some of these girls have never like opened a Christmas present had Christmas some of them don't even know what it is to carve a pumpkin 
some of them never been in movie theaters or the beach and so like they do fundraisers too for like just those simple things as well and it's like when you sit and think about your life like I, was like, I just went to the movies last night so it's like it's just a normal like something you don't even think like oh this is generally kind of like a privilege or a blessing like that you can just go or even just go walk around the mall not yeah. necessarily even buy anything but you just go so yeah. yeah I love that you are providing regular social just experiences for these kids like it'll be amazing um what I did want to ask is the whole business side so tell like how has it been? I've seen some of the process for starting a nonprofit. I'll tell you, it intimidated the crap out of me. I never <laughs> looked back at it. One day I will, because it's still in my heart. But what is it like for anybody out there that's listening? And I know the paperwork. It looks intimidating if you have no idea what you're doing. Like, what are some of kind of like the ups and downs of just starting and like filing and, you know, even the process you're in right now with like the Inland Empire of you know, figuring out which counties I think you said that you can serve or be in. How's that been for you guys? It's, it's been a journey. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've, I've got to tell you on my personal uh, level, the whole business side is a whole different thing. Um, you know, for me, the work of social work, it comes naturally <laughs> and I can do it with my eyes closed. But when you talk about business, it has definitely been a journey. Mm -hmm. I can tell you this, um, Lakeisha and I have learned a very humbling process through this where, um, we've learned to reach out Mm -hmm. to people who know what to do. And we've been very blessed with the right people in the right places who have told us, you know, we're going to help you, um, putting a program statement together. We're talking about (laughs) a few two to 300 Binder. pages worth preparing <laughs> to county. Yeah. So, you know, this is your, basically you're telling county, this is how I'm going to operate my business, what it's going to be like, what it's going to entail. Yeah. Um, this is how we're going to do it. These are the forms we're going to use in yeah. order to do it. And even though I want to say Myra and I, you know, we've, we are familiar with a lot of these procedures. Mm-hmm. We basically told the people who put this together yeah. for us, like our vision. I mean, we, we were very hands-on, very hands-on, but just to make sure that it's worded in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, if it wasn't for them, we would have been lost. Yeah. Um, so I guess for those that are <laughs> wanting to start their own nonprofit, don't be discouraged. Yeah. Um, because for me, I look at if it was easy, right, anybody and everybody would be out there doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does give me motivation because I do see a lot of other small, like nonprofits out there. And I'm like, okay, if they can do it, we, we can, can do, do it, it, Myra. Come on, <laughs> you know? Um, so, one piece of advice I would say is um, take baby steps, right? Like, if we sit here and look at the overall picture, yeah, we would not be here. Mm-hmm. So we just like section things off. And I mean, even after our interview, we have more things to do, but we provide certain deadlines for ourselves within certain periods of time. And I mean, just looking at what we accomplished already, just so within the last couple months, we just took ourselves out to lunch the other day. Cause we're like, Oh my goodness, we did this, you know, mm-hmm. so to not get discouraged, know that it's not impossible. Mm-hmm. And also to just continue to look at your, um, end goal. Mm-hmm. 
because that's very motivating. <laughs> yeah. I think your, your, why, why am I doing this has yeah. to be bigger than the initial step yes. of getting started. And I think for us, we can already envision our location up and running. We Let's can already <laughs> envision the kids we're going to be getting and yeah. what the process is going to look like and how we're going to do it. That the why is bigger than, than all of this stuff. And, yeah. and I guess one of the recommendations I would have, I mean, this is a full-time job. Lakeisha yeah. and I are, are preparing this business. Yeah all day, every day, it's a full-time job. So um, a, a, a suggestion, I guess a very basic financial suggestion is prior to you leaping out in faith because mm -hmm. you do leap out when you do this, <laughs> um, you know, have some savings for yourself, yes. prepare yourself financially because you're probably gonna be working full-time and you're gonna need to cover your normal day-to-day -day yes. yeah. as you're doing that. Mm -hmm. So we, we prepared for this leap of faith prior to doing it um, and it was the best decision we ever made um, because we we wouldn't have the ability to work a full-time incoming job while doing this it's just yeah. I was gonna ask you guys that like if you were still right just like right now like still working like or doing anything on the side it, it's we're all in we're SNL in. <laughs> nice. we're all in. It, it's it yeah. there's no way I mean yeah. we're running social, we are social media managers. We've become social media managers. <laughs> we're we become, you're the photographer, the videographer. <laughs> I mean, we, we've had to learn, but you know what? I'll, I'll tell you this, um, that we've learned so many strengths that we didn't know we had. Yeah. And yeah. when we sit back and say, Lakeisha, you and I, <laughs> we had someone out ask us, do you have a team to help you with social media? Yeah. And we're like, no, no, we are the, the team. team. <laughs> <laughs> we are the team. So we've just, we've learned um, so many strengths for ourselves during yeah. this process that mm -hmm. I, I encourage you, if you feel like there's a purpose for your life and you've been wanting to do it, don't be afraid. Yeah. I mean, you and know, don't be afraid to reach out to yes. people. Um, I've always had this motto, your time, time is money. Yeah. Like, and if you don't know how to do something, ask there's somebody who does know how to do something mm. so I would rather pay for people that know how to build their mm. website than me trying to figure out how to do it and then in the long run have to go back and fix yeah. it right mm. so or yeah. it takes up like a whole week of your time and somebody might have been able to get it done in about two days like yeah. we learned yeah. that we are not <laughs> web designers so that is not a strength no <laughs> it's okay it's okay there's plenty of people that would probably that could do it for probably not that yeah. expensive of a price either. So that is okay. But okay. So full time, mm -hmm. I was, I was in my back of my head. I was like, I wonder if they're still doing other stuff. Cause that to me, that would be a lot yeah. for this and other stuff. Um, so as of right now, people can follow you on Instagram, no website yet, but come in the way. On they the way. Follow <laughs> us on Instagram, on Facebook, Facebook and on LinkedIn. We're on all okay. three. Um, and our website, we are meeting with the designer this week. So okay. we're hoping to have a website, um, probably by the end of this month, if possible. Um, but the, I mean, we are very transparent on our Instagram. We post very often about where we're on, where we're at in the process. Yes. Uh, so once our website is live, we will notify everybody that it's live through there. Mm -hmm. And um, we are growing right now our interest list. So if there's anyone listening that wants to be a resource parent, and if they've heard this interview and they're like, you know what, that's the type of resource parent I want to be, mm -hmm. or I want to just be open my home for respite. 
they can DM us through Facebook or Instagram and um, we'll put them on our interest list. Probably coming in January, we're going to start hosting some orientations Mm -hmm. to let people know what it's going to take to open up their homes and start that process then. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we are growing that. And then of course, you know, if anyone liked one of the projects that we talked about and they're like, I want to give for this particular project. Mm -hmm. We had someone give for the My Bedding project and they said, please use this amount for this project only and we are going to honor that so if someone wants to give for a certain project they can also let us know we do have venmo um, they can provide so through our instagram that's that's on our profile they can venmo and they can specify use this money for this we would do that yeah or even if they want to be a a mentor a mentor Mm -hmm. uh, they they you know are in a profession or just want to give helpful advice like we are Mm -hmm. looking for people that are willing to be a mentor, um, open up an internship, um, are open to all of that. Even if there's another business out there, that's like, Hey, we want to partner with you on a certain project. Like we're open to it. Yeah. Like we think about, um, you know, one of our, our young ladies talk so much about culture and even just the importance of hair. Um, so if someone is out there and they're like, you know what, I provide this service. Can, how can I integrate to help your agency to do this for the kids? Mm -hmm. Reach out to us. Um, we would love to connect with, with whoever they are. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, there, there are so many people with so many different creative outlets that they're already doing as a business that they might just want to offer some assistance. We would love to meet with them as well. Yeah. Awesome. Perfect. So we'll definitely have your Instagram and Facebook um, in the description of our episode for the podcast. So anybody, if you um, want to find them, you can find them. And then of course they're tagged on all of the posts that we'll post about for this podcast. Um is there any just kind of last things you just want to say about the overall foster, I guess, system and everything to people listening that, you know, to help them understand it just a little better and to get past some of these taboos that are around it, in a sense? I mean, overall, um, our goal is to change the stigma mm-hmm. of foster care. Um, like I said, I was a resource parent, um, then adopted. Um, two girls and then became a social worker. We both have seen the needs mm-hmm. of children mm-hmm. in foster care. So to see these two different perspectives, um, yes, take into consideration the downfalls of what you've heard, but also talk to people okay. who have done it, who have been in the foster care system to find out what their needs really were. And just to I mean, reach out to us. We'll have a conversation with you, honestly, Mm -hmm. because um, it's not all negative. Mm -hmm. It really isn't. Yeah. And I would, um, you know, just encourage you if you're thinking I have to be a perfect person, a perfect parent to open my home. That is not the case. Um, Mm -hmm. If your heart is in it and you, you have, you know, there are people who feel like I'm not done parenting. I have all my kids and (laughs) I, I just feel like I'm not done. This yeah. is probably for you or empty nesters. They're done. And they're like, what's my purpose in life? Mm-hmm. This could be your purpose to mentor yeah. someone in your home. And I, mm-hmm. I think I would challenge the idea of, I have to be their parent. Mm-hmm. You not, not every child is looking for a parent. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that just happens naturally where they come into a home and 
it feels like the right fit and they want you to be their parent. Some kids are looking for a person who's constant in their life and who makes a difference. So you might be a foster parent, but not be a parent to this child. You may just be an adult in their life Mm -hmm. who impacted their life for three to five years or 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then this child grows up and says, I remember that foster parent who just loved me. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I would challenge the idea of of putting that pressure on yourself. That has to be a collaboration between you and this child in your home Mm -hmm. on whether you become a parent to them, but be a mentor. So many of us can be a mentor and Mm -hmm. that any of us can do. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on and sharing, you know, your story of starting this, what inspired you and breaking down some of the stigmas, like you said. Um, I hope if any of the listeners that are listening are interested in anything or helping out, definitely hope you guys reach out to them to help them out. Um, Sounds like next year you guys are going to have so much to do um, your business. I hope it just, you know, I hope everything goes well because I know you said you're presenting soon. So I wish you guys the best of luck on all of that. Um, but thank you guys for coming on. We'll definitely stay updated with you for the podcast and post all of your like up to date so people can follow you guys and everything. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for coming on. Thanks everybody for listening and we will catch everyone next week. Thank you. For Bye. Having us. Bye. <laughs>